following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. So, uh, I mentioned at the outset of the service that we're talking about our foundational value of roots today, and I told you then that I have an opening question that I wanted you to be thinking about. So I wonder if any of you have an answer for that yet, which is, um, do you have an ancestor that you're especially proud of, somebody from your family's history that's uh, you know, impressive in some way or of interest in some way? If you have somebody like that in your history, would you put it into the chat? Because I'd love to hear some, some of these stories and to read them out for folks. Sometimes when I ask this question, I get answers like, uh, you know, my great, 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 great grandmother came over on the Mayflower or, you know, founded a, a township or something like that. Who are the ancestors that you're especially proud of? It doesn't have to be a like way back ancestor either. It could be just somebody close. Melody says, both of my grandmothers were strong, kind women who resisted patriarchy in their own ways. Love to hear it. Ken says, William Imry Mann, one of the founders of the Watchtower Tract Society, uh, one splinter of which became the Jehovah's Witnesses. What an interesting relative. Scott says, my great-grandmother moved from Switzerland with her husband and knew no one, and he left her, and she didn't fall down and die. She raised my grandmother and was a hard worker, and I remember be, her being filled with joy even in her late 90s. Wow, what a great, um, inspiring ancestor. And it says, Nathan Hatch, who helped found Bristol Township and fought in the Revolutionary War. Gene says that Dan is related to John Proctor, who was hanged in the Salem witch trials. Wow. I was not aware that any men were hanged in the Salem witch trials, but... Uh, Jesse says, Jesse Pierce says, my great-great-grandfather, a one-legged submarine diver in Pittsburgh. <laughs> and one of my great-grandfathers who flew in World War One. Wow. So you can begin to see, and feel free to keep sharing those stories because it's probably more interesting than anything I'm about to say, um, but you can begin to see how uh, how special uh, these forefathers and foremothers are in our lives and how a lot of us have these um, people who've gone before us who've done incredible things, who've done really difficult things, um, who've made a big difference in the world or or in their family. I also wonder if you have ancestors that you are not so proud of, <laughs> right? I won't ask you to put this one in the chat because we're, it's a positive zone today. Um, but I ask these questions uh, often in our membership workshop when I'm discussing Artisan's foundational values. And I have heard uh, a lot of <laughs> different answers to the question, who's an ancestor you're not so proud of? Um, you know, civil war generals or violent criminals or you name it. I've heard a lot of different things. And the truth is that in our family histories, 
we are going to find a mix of good and bad. Whatever, um, whatever blend of good and bad we might find in our family trees, though, we've all made it to this day. We've all come together in this moment, and that counts for something. Um, sometimes it can be overwhelming to think about the negative things in our family's past. Sometimes we can dwell over long on the more glorious aspects of it. But in either case, the combination of people and events that preceded us have not stopped us from getting to this point where we're all gathered together. And I think that matters. So roots is one of our five foundational values at Artisan Church. It's part of what has shaped us for almost 16 years now. And this value means a lot to us, but here's some of the important aspects of it. One of the important aspects of our value of roots is that we look to the tradition of the church to help us interpret scripture. Now, that is actually somewhat unusual in a Protestant setting. Right? I don't go too deep into the weeds about um, church stuff. But most Protestants have such a high view of the Bible that they um, don't want to spend very much time interacting with the traditions of the church. Uh, and they certainly place those uh, with a lower authority than the Bible. Um, now, it's not that we don't prize the Bible at Artisan Church. We do, of course. We just recognize that it's best when we try to interpret it with the help of the generations that came before us. And actually, as I often say in moments like this, if you think about it, the particular arrangement of texts that we call our Christian Bible um, would not have been arranged in that particular way without the tradition of the church. And in fact, they were not arranged in that particular way until uh, hundreds of years after the time of Jesus. They were written closer to Jesus' time, but they weren't put together in this order. And so the Bible that we have did not just drop to us out of the heavens. It was given to us by the tradition of the church. So our value of roots just wants to recognize that and acknowledge it. Something else that our value of roots tells us to do is um, to recognize the value of very old liturgical forms. <laughs> and I'm just now seeing the irony of saying that over Zoom. <laughs> Um, wow. Uh, but even in this Zoom worship service where we're all looking at two-dimensional versions of each other, um, we are using uh, a, a liturgical form, a, an order of worship, if you will, that's modeled on something quite old. Um, and so we do, when we're together, we often pray prayers that are very old. Today, we said the Apostles' Creed together, which is very, very old. Um, we have mostly modern songs, I think all modern songs in today's worship service, but very often we use old hymns and uh, other texts that, that are much older than any of us are. These are all um, the result of our value of roots. So in this series, of course, that we've been doing for the past several weeks, we're thinking first about our, our, our foundational value of community, which is so hard to practice right now and so hard to feel right now. And we're thinking about how that value interacts with the other four values. So we've done community plus justice, community plus beauty. Last week, we did community plus awe. 
And today it's community plus roots. And so we're trying to imagine how roots and community might intertwine with each other. And the thing that came to me a couple of weeks ago as I was planning for this is how many of the letters of the early Christian church, speaking of the books of the Bible, how many of those letters include these little bits about the heritage of our faith? Uh, a pretty frequent instruction that's given to the earliest Christians in these letters was basically remember the faith that's been handed down to you. And sometimes the author is saying, look, remember what I taught you when we were together, when I baptized you. And sometimes the author's giving a reminder of the, the person's family, saying something like, remember how your grandmother raised you. Anybody ever said that to you? <laughs> Sometimes it's a reminder about the chosen family, if I can use that term, of the church for people who really did not have any other connection that was sustainable in their lives. The church became their, their family. Their roots were this other group of people. But in any case, it's always a reminder of the fact that none of us travels the road of faith alone. And even if we feel alone in any given moment, and even if there's a whole season of life where we feel alone, and even if we don't actually have very many people who we can connect to in our own time, the truth is, and our roots value tells us this, that we are never actually alone in the practice of our faith. Because we are uh, surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And that's why I chose that particular text from Hebrews chapter 12 today. It starts out with this sentiment that we are being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Actually, the passage doesn't start out with that. Did anybody um, catch the word that the passage did start out with? I've totally ruined you for, some of you for this, haven't I? The first word of Hebrews chapter 12 is what? <laughs> it's therefore. And you know I will never miss an opportunity to ask the question, what is the therefore, therefore, <laughs> right? So therefore is a connective word, and you can't just sprint ahead into a passage that starts with the word therefore. You have to at least look back to see what came before and why this um argument or this idea is connected to what comes before. And in this case, if we look back, we see an entire chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, dedicated to specific reminders of the faith of the people who came before the readers of this letter. I mean, it's line after line after line, by faith so-and-so did such-and-such and had this following result. By faith, Person number two did this other thing and had this result. And it's just relentless. It just comes and comes and comes. And, and all of these stories of the faith, primarily from the Hebrew Bible, uh, are there to remind the people who read the letter to the Hebrews that they're not alone in the faith. And the author of Hebrews, and we don't know who they are, the author of the book of Hebrews is careful to remind those readers that it's not actually all sunshine and roses. If you thought, based on what I just said, that Hebrews chapter 11 is uh, like the greatest hits, it's actually not. 
You know, many people believed by faith and experienced great or wondrous miracles. Other people believed by faith and experienced great troubles and deep persecution in some cases. I mean, real persecution, not not like you couldn't have your gigantic worship concert because of COVID, not like you had to wear a mask when you went to church. No, those those types of persecution claims are an insult to the history of the church when people have actually bled and died for their faith. So um, you can just shut off whenever anybody starts talking that way. But the book of Hebrews reminds us that that this great cloud of witnesses that we're surrounded by has experienced the full uh, experience of life, good and bad. And here's how chapter 11 ends. And I'm going to read this to you from Eugene Peterson's The Message translation because I like what it does. Um, I think what it does at the end of chapter 11 is better than what the NRSV does. Um, Not that I'm really qualified to make that determination, but I'm pretty sure that in this case it's better. (laughs) So Hebrews 11 ends this way. Remember having talked about all these people of the faith. It says, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith, and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. I love that picture. It's a reminder that just as we aren't alone in the faith, The people who came before us weren't alone in the faith either. We're all part of the story. And I got to thinking uh, about how many times in the New Testament, and this also occurs in the letters uh, of the Bible, how many times the, the practice of Christian faith is compared to a race. And I think as we kind of look over the history of the church, we, we need to realize that the race is more like a marathon than a sprint. That's especially important for us to remember during difficult times, like the times we find ourselves in now. It's especially important for us to remember during times when the church seems to be going astray. And we could name all sorts of ways that the church corrected itself after going wide astray, right? Because part of, part of dealing with our, uh, part of celebrating the value of roots means being honest about the history that came before us. And the history of the church is not all great. We have the Crusades. We have um, per- the perpetuation of patriarchy, despite Um, indications in the New Testament that this was not God's design for the world. We have many different types of exclusion. We have, even despite whole books of the Bible being written in order to tell people that, that Jews and Gentiles can live together in Christian harmony, we have Uh, a long tradition of anti-Semitism continuing to be perpetuated by the church. In our own time, we have, frankly, many of these same problems and lots of other ones. 
white supremacy, anti-LGBTQ attitudes. Yes, continual patriarchy. And the reason that I want to say all of these things is not to bum you out, but to give you some hope. First of all, that the story of our faith is not a perfect one. It's not a straight line from what was less good to what is more good. But over the course of the years and the centuries, I think we've gotten closer to the good world that God designed for us to live in. And that's because of the faithfulness of the people who make up the body of Christ, the church. So I say that, first of all, as an encouragement, but I also say it as uh, an exhortation, to use another very um, biblical word. An exhortation not to give up, not to throw it out, but to stay and be present in the community of faith, which is not just us and our contemporaries, but it does include this tradition but to stay and be part of continuing to get us one little bit closer to what God wants us to be. Sometimes we look around at the church and my goodness, this past, let's say half a decade or so has really, really made me have this experience. We look around at the church and go, this does not look like the family of God that I want to be part of. This does not look like the beloved community is becoming more of a reality. Maybe it's time to cut this loose. Maybe it's time to forget about the church and just live my life out with Jesus, whatever God calls me to do. My friends, I completely understand that tendency. But we need you. If that's your attitude, um, attitude's the wrong word. If that's where you are as a person, if that's the, that's the anguish that you're experiencing right now, we need you in the church because you are the ones who are going to be part of the process of correcting that problem. So the story goes on. We are one page or one chapter May we be one of the good ones. May we be part of moving the arc of the narrative of God's story toward the just end that we believe awaits us. And I'm grateful to you, all of you, for being on this journey with me and with Artisan Church. So thank you and amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.